You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, I know you like clean things, right? I do. Yeah, clean. So what do you clean things with? Hot water, cleanser, sometimes bleach to get all the stains out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what if I told you today that in today's passage, the writer says that something's not really clean unless it's cleaned with blood. Oh, yeah, today. Today, on more than ink. Well, a wonderful, wonderful morning to you. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. Uh, my gardener, Dorothy, I should say. <laughs> yeah, we are We are here at the end of the summer in our, our garden extravaganza. It's my, wild and my woolly My master out there. gardener is coming to full fruition. <laughs> I've seen tomatoes that I've never seen before. Oh, and they've been so good. Yeah, they've been really nice. So we're just loving this time of year. And we're glad that you're with us. We know uh, on Saturday morning you could be out working on your garden. And maybe you are. Maybe you're listening on the radio in your pocket. I don't know, but... Who knows? So we're here. (laughs) But speaking of food out of the garden, today, as we're looking into Hebrews, we're looking at what the writer of Hebrews called solid food. We are right in the middle of the solid food. Remember a couple chapters back, he kind of hemmed and hawed and said, you know, I don't know if you're ready for this stuff. I don't know. I don't. Well, let's do it. This requires some chewing. Yeah. So this is this is really I I, I deliberately decided we would slow down in this section and we're going to say the same thing, almost the same thing for the next three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in slightly different ways. Well, yeah, from different perspectives yeah. and emphasizing different parts of it. And, and that's because that's what the writer does as well. This is the this is the meatiest part, I think, of the middle of Hebrews, and he's trying to he's trying to get a part up across his transitional connection between the old and new covenant. So, if you remember last week, last week we went back into kind of a retro view of the old covenant, what goes in in the temple and the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. He did that in the beginning of chapter nine. And he was just trying to remind us of what goes on there physically, what goes on there that God asked them to do, and they and they obeyed pretty much to do, and uh, and we also noted that it was really quite a display of uh, of blood that was connected with their yeah, son. very elaborate ceremonies associated yeah. with the blood. Yeah, and that and that was a quite a deliberate thing. There's almost nothing in the entire. Old Testament accounts of what goes on in the temple that doesn't somehow have blood connected mm. with it, and that's not an accident. No. And that, that will continue today as we take a look at this. But we did the retro view last week, and now he's going to segue into how it is that the new covenant is newer than that. So you look like you're going to... Well, I was going to say, let's ju- let's just read the last couple of verses of That's where we left off. That's because I've been thinking about this this afternoon yeah. as we've been getting ready to record um, or recently uh let's see so verses 9 and 10 he, he says that the holy mm-hmm. place is a symbol for the present time accordingly both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect mm-hmm. in conscience in or conscience. complete in conscience right. since they relate only to food and drink and various washings regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation Big change. right so he's just been saying all mm-hmm. of that 
Old Testament sacrificial system, all of the regulations and the rites and the ceremonies in the tabernacle were a picture until a time when God puts everything right in reality. Right. And that time is now through Christ. Through Christ. Right. We're not talking way in the future. We're talking now. But I really do. I love his his mention in verse 9. This is still last week about this conscience, the conscience of the worshiper. Yeah. And he's going to mention that again today. But what is a conscience? I mean, the conscience is what tells you just between you and your conscience Mm -hmm convicts you of your own sinfulness and what is right and what is wrong what is right and what is wrong and it and it's it sits there and just yaks at you and says boy you are really a low life <laughs> well and how can you quiet your conscience yeah right when right. it's telling you constantly and as yeah. the writer of hebrews had said earlier in these sacrifices there remains constantly a reminder of our sin a reminder of isn't sin, that yeah. what your conscience does yep, constantly yep. yammers at you you screwed up you so, broke it you were wrong so as he transitions today into the new covenant this is really the problem you can do all the sacrifices you want to right you can sacrifice bulls and goats and all i mean you can do this until the cows come home and then you sacrifice them but i mean you could do this forever (laughs) but still it's not going to change the fact that you know the truth about yourself right and because all of these ceremonies you can do with your sacrifices are all external external and you know when we come to the end of today's passage down in in verse 22 the contrast is drawn between between the forgiveness and atonement, right? right? In the, under the old covenant, our sin was covered yeah. and cleansed. But the glory of the new covenant is that God says, I will forgive their sin and yeah. there will be no more remembrance. It's a it's a radical freedom yeah. from this conscience that condemns it's us. It's a cleansing of so, our internal person. This, again, is another one of the great aspects of the newness of the new covenant. Mm. We're talking about life change that is deep at the core of who we are and i think that's what you lose in the old testament changed inside inside yeah it's not just a ritual we go through radical real transformation well let's just look at it so we just read in (laughs) chapter 9 verses uh, 9 and 10 we're today's new passage is in verse 11 so you want to pick up that for us yeah you can follow with us in verse 11 so he begins by saying but when christ appeared so sets up a giant contrast here but when christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal hmm. redemption. Should we stop there? Yeah, I think, I think so. We better. So yeah, let's just remind everybody. I mean, remember, we're t- we were talking about the high priest who alone could go right. all the way in as far as you could go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. He alone could do that. And, he and did could that. only do it once a year. Once a year. And with the uh, qualifications of a lot of sacrifices. Blood. Right. Yep. <laughs> and so uh, so that was the access into the very presence of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that was a restriction then and only quite quite limited. But now when you see this uh, these mentions in here about Christ appearing as a high priest of these good things, and it says in verse 12 that he entered once for all. Yeah. That entering, where is that entering? It's into that Holy of Holies. And he doesn't have to go in and out and in and out and in and out right. every year. Once for all, if you remember back a couple chapters ago, the writer had said, he's opened the way, he's opened the veil and anchored 
the way open for us back in chapter six. And it's in stark contrast to the high priests back in their day who on the day of atonement had to go in every single year because you kept accumulating all these sins. And only after this elaborate ritual of sacrifice and carrying the blood in. Sacrificing Mm -hmm. for himself and his own sins and sacrificing for the nation. Mm -hmm. And and then even at that, he's saying right here, it doesn't doesn't even scratch the surface of your conscience problems. You, You still are who you are and you know it. So, so, but here Jesus is different. He enters once for all into the holy place. And remember that holy place, symbolically speaking, is the very presence of God. Mm-hmm. So he enters once for all. Now that all doesn't mean all time, although it does include that, but it means also for all, all anybody. of us, <laughs> all of everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's a one time, it's a one time deal and only needs to be that way. And he doesn't need the blood of goats and cows. What a superior thing in that particular sense. But he does go into that holy place by means of blood. Mm-hmm. And it says in verse 12, by the means of his own his blood. His own blood. The high priest who doesn't sacrifice a goat or a bull, but who has sacrificed himself. So remember we said a couple of weeks ago that this was one of the primary differences in practice between the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the New One is that under the Old Covenant, there was the constant sacrificing of animals. Animals, yeah. And the, the applying of animal blood externally. But now we have the eternal blood of the eternal Son of God, the eternal priest, once for all, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. covering all. So in the Old Covenant, in the old, te- the old Temple times, all of that blood, all that blood was all pointing toward the right. real blood of right. Christ that will, that will be shed for us, that will, uh, w- that will affect real change. Right. Not just the not just the appearance of change, but real change, which touches the deepest, most intimate part of who we are in our conscience. Right, and actually, that that's he's going to drive that home in the second half of this chapter, which we're yeah. going to get to next week when he says he appeared, he appeared, he appeared. Right, he right. made it real. Yeah, yeah. Everything that all of this other was pointing to. Okay, but let's stop for a minute at the beginning of the first. Uh, verse 11 because mm-hmm. i just paused on this phrase as a high priest of the good things that have come well mm. what good things good things so is it, that's a that's a good study clue there yeah. if, if the writer says now there's all of these good things that have come through christ's mm-hmm. high priesthood mm-hmm. uh, so be watching now in this passage for what those good things are i don't think i'll make a list for you at the moment but let's point <laughs> them out as we go through them because yeah. he's already named a couple eternal redemption yeah 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 which is good news for those of us two thousand years right. later <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. entering once for all that's a good thing yeah He's entered what the, the eternal, more perfect tent yeah. doesn't even belong to this creation. It's it's an eternal one. Yeah, because remember he said back in chapter eight that that what was going on in the temple during that time was a shadow and right. a copy of the more right. substantial reality, which right. is in heaven. It's and it's a spiritual reality, but it's more substantial than this place is. See, that's so. where we get mixed up because we think, oh, we need a temple. We need something concrete we can see. That's the reality. That's not mm-hmm. the reality at all. Yeah. Indeed, God decisively removed it right right it's gone it's gone yeah so so you know in this new covenant we should not be expecting to go out and build ourselves a temple right (laughs) and sacrifice there because exactly that's that's not just obsolete it's like just wrong-headed in terms of knowing what christ has done in reality for us denies what christ has done exactly undercuts it and renders it 
unimportant and invalid. Yeah. The writer yeah. of Hebrews has already said, you know, if you do that, there's no help for you. Yeah, that's right. Because you are now sacrificing the the blood of a goat for the blood of Christ. Right. That, that's just, that's very wrong. Yeah. And you know? maybe we'll get into this in a little bit. You know, the, the idea of the blood, because blood shows up. Ten times, just in this little short passage, yeah. so it must be important. And yeah, yeah. Leviticus says the life is in the blood. Yep, that's right. Right. So this is idea of of this substitutionary sacrifice. This blood represents my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and remember in the Old Testament, God said the life is in the blood. So right. it was very apparent to people then. You know, anatomically, they'd look and they'd say, right. when an animal loses its blood, it loses its, its life. So symbolically, the life is in the blood. Right. And so the issue is that every time you see blood sprinkled around in the Old Testament, it's an issue of restoring life right. somehow. And something, something had, had to, to die, die yeah, yeah. in order for you to live. Yeah, that's really simple, simple well, symbology. But it's a huge, huge idea. And it's so fundamental that it goes all the way back to Genesis 2 and 3. Yeah, Right? It does. When after the fall, God made garments out of skin. Yep. For and Adam and Eve to, to cover their nakedness, something had to die. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we just can't escape that reality. Yeah. And, you know, when you're sensitized to this to this imagery of blood, you know, something has to die. Life has to be given from what right. had life to, to you. When you're sensitive to that, then when you start reading the New Testament, Ugh. you see it everywhere. Everywhere. You just don't realize it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we're just, we become jaded to it. But then if you understand this and the connection to the Old Testament and what's being shown symbolically and graphically at yeah. the temple on the blood, then you go, oh, right. So this is very key stuff to understand, even a lot of what Paul talks about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we need to push on okay. through here. So securing an eternal, an eternal redemption. redemption. Boy, does that go on the yeah. list of good things. Yeah, an eternal redemption. And I might just point out the fact that the word redemption always means money or it means payment. Bought, a transaction, a it's bought a tra- Something mm-hmm. got bought, mm-hmm. yeah. And so when you see that word right there, it's it's a it's a buyback. <laughs> Once for all. Once it's for all for us, good. and it's eternally mm-hmm. good, yeah. You don't have to keep trying to make the redemption work. He does it through his blood, yeah. So let's pick it up in verse 13. 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's the conscience. Right. He had said in the previous chapter, that's something, purifying the conscience is something that temple rites can never do. No. The blood of goats and bulls doesn't do that. It only symbolically represents the cleansing of your body. Yeah. But the conscience is a very internal thing. The internal. It's a conviction of condemnation of of the guilt of your Mm -hmm. sin which so many people walk around with today and it causes neuroses left and right. I mean, walking around with this constant awareness of your sinfulness mm-hmm. and your and your proclivity to do evil, which just, just grosses us out. Who will free us from that kind of burden that lays on our shoulders? And this is exactly what the blood of Christ does. We're purified from that. Mm. So it's really, you know, we say it in other ways in the New Testament, but boy, he, he's saying it right here. We are we're dealing with something in the new covenant with this blood of Christ that changes something so profoundly deep inside of us. You might actually say at the spiritual level, mm. which as we talked about before, is actually the larger reality of this whole picture, is the, the reality is the spiritual level, the shadow and copy is the physical temple and all these other things. So... Yeah, 
without blemish, purifying our conscience from dead works. What do you think about that dead works comment? What is that? (laughs) Dead works? That's all the stuff that we did on our own effort, which can never bring life. Right. If you remember when we looked at Exodus 24, under the old covenant, the people said, God said, you will do this. this, And the people said, yep, we will. And then the sacrifice was offered and the blood was sprinkled and you agreed, we'll do it by our power and our will. And how'd that work out? But they failed. Right. There is simply, (laughs) you can always do one more thing. Right. Right. You just can never do enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole idea of dead works, that's amplified quite a bit by Paul when he in goes Romans, through Romans, yeah. you know, and, and this is exactly what he's talking about here. You can you can work your tush off trying right. to make yourself perfect, right. but you're not going to get there. It's a dead work. It's just going to result in death and it's, it just doesn't work. <laughs> but interestingly enough, what Christ has done for us has now equipped us to serve the living God in a real sense, rather than just trying to impress him with our good works and failing all the times and resulting in death, we can now actually serve the living God for real, which is, a, it's an astonishing flip in the entire equation of the thing. Rather than hustling all the time, trying to make yourself perfect, trying to purify yourself from those things that you detest about who you are, he has made you clean enough to be able to serve the living God. Remember the living God who is in the Holy of Holies that you can't who approach. Who is the Holy One. That's he right. He is the Holy One. You can't go you in can't there. You can't get in there except you... by the way he has provided. And and uh, and that way provides for an answer to your sin. And so, yeah. So <sighs> Thank that's, God. That's all, boy, that's all just crammed together so, in that you know, little phrase. Well, and the, the writer presses on here. He says in verse 15, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Yes. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from transgressions committed under the first covenant. So now we're not only talking about an eternal redemption through the eternal spirit. We're talking about an eternal inheritance. Yes, yes. And we're returning back to that theme we had a long time ago in Hebrews where we talked about God's promises to the mm, nation of Israel. Uh-huh. And they, they did not participate in getting into the promise land because they didn't believe his promises could come true, that he could actually fulfill his promises. Right. And uh, that promise is to bring them into the promised land and live in a place of rest, kind of a pasture-like thing. And so that's the promises of God. And so because of what Christ has done, then we can receive the promised eternal inheritance. That's the very thing. It's God's intentions for us right. to live a life of joy and fullness in his presence, in his nearness, in the place that he provides for us. And because we have a new mediator of this new covenant, we can participate. Okay, in but that when promise. do you get an inheritance? When somebody dies. When somebody dies. So the writer's about to introduce another illustration here, and it's a can be a little bit confusing yeah, yeah. if you're not paying attention. But then he starts talking about a will, right? right? You don't inherit until the person who wrote the will well, dies. Right. And he's telling you that what you're going to benefit from God's promises are at, at the cost of a death. That's right. A death that's going to death happen. of Christ. So, I'll, I'll, I'll okay, pick it go up ahead. from here. So we're in 16, verse 16. So, so, for instance, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law has been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet and wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for Mm. you. And so in the same way, 
he sprinkled with the blood both the tent, that's the tabernacle, and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, it's like under the law, almost everything is purified with with blood. blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's There's no no forgiveness forgiveness of of sins. sins. Remember, the sins is the problem that keeps us from participating in the promises of God. Sin costs life. Yep. So he's, he makes his point back in 16 about a will. You guys know about wills. You know, right. someone dies and then you benefit. Well, in our particular case with Christ, Christ died and we benefit. And even in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, he says, and, and that was also part and parcel of the symbology in the Old Covenant, was that, you know, you can't live unless something dies. That's why the blood right. is everywhere. So that's, that is just so drilled into them in the symbology of what they're saying is that I have sinned. Now that's going to cost the life of this animal, and this blood represents the life that now is given to me for what I did wrong. So that's very deeply ingrained in the Jewish mindset. So that's what he says right here as well. So, you know, when we talk about Christ and the new covenant, it's the same thing. Christ must die on our behalf so that his blood gives us life. Okay, so the big contrast, again, between the old covenant and the new is that under the old covenant, the old way, the blood was sprinkled on Mm -hmm. as a representation of that life that was given that represents yours. But this is what's so shocking about what Jesus did at the Last Supper when he said this cup is the blood of of the new covenant right. or is the new covenant in, the my new covenant blood. in my blood and what does he tell them to do with it drink it yes so you participate it in becomes it. you yeah right yeah. you in you, it becomes an internal reality yeah yeah that whole phrase he's, he uses in the right. Lord's supper is just infused with this imagery infused with this imagery and so even even when they hear the word new covenant, they'll think Jeremiah 31. Mm-hmm. When they think blood, they'll think the blood in the temple. That's, that's the representation of the right. life from something right. else to me for the benefit of me because of my own sin. Yeah, all of that just is, it's just packed in that, that, that you know, this cup is the new covenant right. in my blood. Bam, right. I think their heads exploded. And that blood of the new covenant is not animal blood. Right. It is it is the very blood of the Son of God himself. Yeah. And the only way you partake that is with this internal change in a spiritual way, right. in, a, in, the, in the reality of the changed heart. Yep, yep. So now, now he's making this really deep connection that all that blood imagery in the Old Testament, all that blood imagery is all about the blood of Christ. Mm. Sacrificed his life, sacrificed for us so that his life can be our life. And because of that, then there's forgiveness of sins as according to verse 22, you hear that all through the New Testament. And since there's forgiveness of sins, now we can indeed participate cleansed in the promises of God. It made me think of a passage in Ephesians Ephesians 2, Paul said that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off Mm. have been brought near by the blood blood of Christ. Christ. And brought near to what? Brought near to God himself. So, so even that, that right there is, is hearkening back to this imagery of coming near to the presence of God through the blood of Christ. Mm. And I'm just, while you were saying that, I'm thinking of, of 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, he, God, made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yep, yep, exactly. 
Well, we're running a little short on time, but I wanted to leave one one picture with you. You know, uh, I, if you go back to the temple, you go back to the Holy of Holies, you go back to inside the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. Did you know that the high priest would go through once a year? He'd go into that center section where God is, the presence of God, this mercy seat that represented God's promises for us and the path to that mercy seat and the Ark. And he would go in there with blood on his finger and he would flick that blood not only on the front of the ark, but also the pathway leading up to mm-hmm. the ark. So the, so the very path he took through the veil, walking up to the presence of God where the mercy seat was, was, was all splattered with blood. And in a sense, you, you could look at that imagery as you walked in there and say, you know, it's very clear that the, that the coming into the presence of God is paved with blood Mm -hmm. so no one comes in the presence of god except for those who are purchased redeemed with the blood of christ and and you know in the in the temple during that time uh the permanent temple that that holy of holies it was a gold room everything was gold inside that room boy it would just look totally stunning and there in stark relief would be the blood splattered on the floor splattered on the front of the promises of god in his ark it's just a it's just a stunning image it's a stunning image and and unfortunately only high priest the high priest got to see that every year but i think it was i think it shuddered he shuddered every time he saw that that's beautiful pristine golden room and then splattered with blood that's the only way into the presence of god so that's what it's meant to teach us and that's what he's making the connection to right here so wow hmm. <laughs> got any last comments it's a lot to think about. It's a ton to think about. Yeah. Well, I just I just want our listeners to to apply themselves to this passage. Look for the things that are repeated. Look for the things that he says again and yes. again and again. The forgiveness, the blood, being purified, what is eternal, the eternal redemption, the eternal spirit, the eternal inheritance. Um, yeah. yeah. Pay attention to those things and write down your questions so you can mull them over and chase down these Old Testament places yeah. where these things are described in Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus. All of those cross-references should be in your column in your Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we had previously recommended, and I highly recommend uh, that if you have little time to go in the Old Testament, go to Leviticus 16, because Leviticus 16 mm-hmm. is a really mm-hmm. fascinating kind of up-close-and-personal look at what right. goes on with the blood and the and uh, what goes on on our behalf. The so, actual means by which atonement is made. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So we're out of time. Oh, we hope you join sure us next are. week. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we are looking at the new covenant in More Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Yeah. Okay. One of those will work. <laughs>